All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Charity Charge podcast. I have another wonderful guest that I'm super excited about. It's Steve Wanta, who is the co-founder and CEO at Just. Steve, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, my pleasure, man. You know, I know we were riffing before we got on here, so you know we're kind of revved up and and can get into it. But you know, for any of the uh, you know the people listening in that that aren't familiar with with you and Just, do you mind giving a little bit of background of kind of your early years in your career? Um, and just talk about your progression, what you're doing now today. And I, I do think the thing that I would highlight why I'm so excited to have you here and for anyone listening along is I'm just so blown away by your experience you've had, you know, within microcredit, within um, social ventures, shared spaces. It's really exciting to have you here. Thanks, buddy. Um, yeah, happy to be here and looking forward to being a customer of Charity Charge uh, soon. So, uh, yeah, I, I think where, how I got to, to starting just has been a process of little steps, um, along the way, trying to find what my place in the world was. And, you know, like many people, I graduated college, uh, got a corporate job, just hated it. Uh, that quarter life crisis that you hit probably when you started growing your hair out. Um, (laughs) and, uh, and I went to the Peace Corps, got out of the Peace Corps, right place, right time, whole foods, started a foundation, whole planet foundation. And that was all dedicated to, um, supporting entrepreneurs around the world. Yeah. And I don't want to gloss over that for people that are listening. I mean, Steve ran, you know, was at whole foods, um, for about uh, 10 years and was the global program director of the Whole Planet Foundation, which, you know, we've worked closely with them yeah, since yeah. We're, we're based here in Austin. Do you still work with? Um, yeah, we you know we collaborate with them. It's really great. I mean, to be candid, just given the whole like Amazon, they were already kind of, uh, they were as easy to work with as could be given when even uh, Whole Foods, you yeah, know, sure. owned them, but now they're part of Amazon. There's a lot of additional kind of layers of okay. bureaucracy right on, and stuff, right on, right on. but I give a huge shout out to Olivia Hayden. She's uh, She's been awesome to work with and enjoy over there. And I know Philip as well. So okay. um, no, really, really cool group. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're friends with them. Um, and, and I didn't want to cut you off, but I mean, sometimes we, we kind of gloss over things when we're, when we're in it for ourselves. But, you know, I think for the audience, I think you, you must've picked up so many interesting totally. experiences being the, uh, you know, running the foundation side at, at Whole Planet. Yeah, the programs I reported to Philip and Whole Planet started in a really entrepreneurial way. So, if people aren't familiar with the idea of microcredit, um, it microcredit is really oftentimes associated with Grameen Bank and Mohammed Yunus that won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2006. My second day on the job was picking Professor Yunus up from the airport. Wow. So it was a year before he won the Nobel Peace Prize. I think I actually called him by the wrong name. Um, so, you know, I was really naive to the whole work itself. Um, but Whole Foods, Whole Planet, John Mackey uh, really built the foundation around collaboration with Professor Eunice. And they airdropped 10 Bangladeshis into Central America that didn't speak Spanish from Grameen Bank. And very quickly, they realized that was a difficult proposition. So I was hired and became what I call the resident firefighter for the next uh, 10 years, in in particular in Guatemala and Costa Rica, our first two projects. I was hired to go help solve problems. And what I came to learn, which we apply today in Just, is a process of doing small loans for the world's poorest. And 
in rural Guatemala, that means helping people gain access to credit to invest in a small business. And I got to see the world's greatest doing it uh, over and over and over again in, in Central America. Um, and these guys, even though they couldn't speak Spanish and English was a little difficult at times, they could lend money and they were masters. They were, you know, once another banker said to me, it's like magic. And really I got to see the magic. It's almost like a magician never it tells you the secrets. So I got to see those secrets and it is really, you know, before behavior economy, behavior economics is a cool thing. I think Grameen was doing that. They understood human behavior and where people saw um, poverty, they saw potential. And I think I love where you're going with this too, because part of what we were riffing before we hit, you know, record on here is just your level of insight and experience now doing it for, I don't know, 15 years or so, you know, really seeing what works within microcredit and for anyone that's really new to it, I know you briefly mm-hmm. covered it before, but it's really figuring out, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, the way I would just describe the layman's terms is, you know, lending um, what others would consider small dollar amounts to people that uh, need the capital for reasons likely to start a business or somehow to get themselves self-sustainable. And um, there's not traditional underwriting because a lot of times this is happening in third world and developing countries and figuring out a way that they're going to be able to repay that loan. Yeah. So yes. And I would say today, unlike when I was at whole planet, I see humanity of the work from a whole new perspective. So when we talk about finance and lending, it's actually at its heart trust. Mm. So more than a few times I have seen women cry when they've gotten their first loan because One, the money matters. So if you're living on a dollar a day or in the United States, if you're below the poverty line, that first uh, slump sum of money is, is meaningful. Yet the reason people are brought to tears is because it represents their future, a future they thought wasn't ever possible. And it is really, really profound. And very few people, academics, I think even to some extent operators appreciate that. And I was a funder for 10 years, this quasi-funder operator with Grameen uh, Bank and Whole Planet. So I appreciated deeper the operating principles. And at the same time, I, I, I got a bird's eye view as a funder. So now as, a, as an operator, pure and simple, I run an organization that makes small loans. I know much more deeply how profound it can be. And this is what the other thing I'll say. Those same people that cried their first loan, shed a tear, their first loan, do not cry the second loan (laughs) because their view of themselves has changed. And that is what I feel imperative about microcredit is that we continue to evolve with, uh, with our clients. So as they grow, we should grow as, as they needs evolve our, uh, our services should evolve. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to say that we've reimagined global microcredit for the United States and have developed um, a pretty profound, uh, highly impactful, highly scalable new approach. So and before we get into just, which is which is awesome, just for the people listening, um, from a sense of metrics, when you think about 
because what I think is interesting too, what I want to talk about is working at with Whole Planet and Whole Planet Foundation, it was happening on such a massive scale. I mean, I think probably anyone listening to this in the US you know, <laughs> knows of Whole Planet or, or Whole Foods rather and an extension of that Whole Planet. But give us a sense of like the amount of dollars or any just kind of high level ballpark, like impact statistics, number of countries, people, sure. things like that. So they can get a sense of the scale of the, uh, you yeah. know, the foundation and what you were working mm-hmm. with. So I did work for Whole Planet for 10 years. And when I left, uh, it was something on the order of 70 countries. Uh, we provided uh, roughly $70 million to this sort of work, microcredit. Um, and in our job, a, a team that of four international development professionals that I got to um, support and, and lead, uh, they traveled the world and found these really awesome social enterprises, uh, microfinance institutions, and gave them money to do more of the great stuff that they're already doing. That's awesome. So. At what point, I'm just curious, part as you segue now um, in this interview and we talk about just, you know, I'm sure that there's people that are listening that are either at um, a nonprofit mm-hmm. themselves, um, that they're joining, that they're an employee of, or even a company, and they have this idea or passion or interest to start a nonprofit. Um, can you talk about what went through your mind, why you were inspired to move on to become the, you know, co-founder and CEO at Just? Kind of walk us through Because I'm process. an idiot, Stephen. I think starting a nonprofit has got to be one of the hardest things you could decide to do. And I definitely did it out of naivete, maybe a little bit of ego. Um, But really, I did it because my co-founders, Andy White and a gentleman by the name of Bill Wood, um, were in belief that I could build build an organization that could have um, significant impact. So their belief in me, somewhat like the women that cry over that first loan, I mean, mm-hmm. I was really profoundly moved that they felt I could build something that was worth investing in. So with, with uh, excitement, I took that leap, left a, a foundation that I got to give away money Got to travel the world, uh, got a 20% discount at Whole Foods. Um, that would have been so sweet. Oh, I wish I had that. Yeah, tough to tough to leave all those benefits. But if you feel like your potential in this world could be greater and you have to take a risk, oftentimes that, that was my moment. So you know, it was a pretty easy decision. Hindsight 2020, I definitely got into it, um, not realizing how difficult it was going to be. But it was someone else's belief that allowed me to have the courage to do it. Um, so I, someone that starts a new nonprofit, I both applaud them and would wonder their sanity. Well, and walk me through too. I mean, a lot of times people are creating nonprofits um, that already in their community, there's an organization that's already doing that. So there is oftentimes a lot of replication. Yeah. And this is, this is like tried. um, I'm kind of, so people say this stuff, but I think it's just such a double standard in no one's going to tell a startup not to go create a new business. Yeah. Keep going with this. This is great. And Sure. 
a nonprofit may need someone else's goodwill to continue, which is part of a real struggle in the model where you need someone to pay for the value that does not receive the value. I mean, there's a fundamental structural problem with oh, I say it all the times that the whole the concept of a nonprofit is so bizarre. It's like it's mind-boggling. When you think of it that, I mean, I think obviously yeah. there's a lot of newer earned revenue models and things of that sort that are but I think it's really interesting. I think people have to think really, really intensely about who is the payer and who is the doer. So, um, and who is, who's receiving the value. So where does value creation come from? Who's going to pay for it? And you know, the easy model that we have is go raise, go do a fundraiser, go do a, a gala, go, you know, follow some other blueprint. Um, you know, I don't know that world. I didn't come from that world. Microcredit is the foundation of social enterprise. So I only know really business. Um, you know, that's my background. Uh, whole planet I think was run very business like. So for me, I don't even really know how to ask for money. Um, certainly from the general public, we're going to actually launch our first fundraising campaign, which is very much, um, aligned with our values. But, the, the, I think the innovation is really important. We haven't figured out how to inspire whether nonprofits or social enterprises to, to create really profoundly good organizations that, that um, both have deep impact and can start, you know, people told me that same thing. Like, why are you starting just, it sounds real similar to these other organizations. And, you know, I'm, have really, really deep experience. And once I changed hats from a funder to someone seeking funding, people looked at me differently. And the reality is I knew far more than those person, those people making decisions on funding, not egotistically, just, just played up fact, like, uh, a decade of experience diving deep into this work. So, you know, I had to learn over the years how to, uh, navigate a new system. And that's really one of a grant seeker funder fundraising. So I think we should just, my guess, simply put, we should inspire more people. I think we should challenge people to think why they create it. What's the value proposition the same way uh, startups have to prove that it's there's, they're filling a need uh, or they can fill the need better than anyone else. Well, and that's, no, I'm I'm in a complete agreement with you, and I think one of the things that I'd love you to, to talk about because I know when we've you know met up over the the past couple of years, you know you've talked to me a lot about getting started and getting started um, in Austin um, in a relatively small sample size um, and getting some baseline metrics um, to then think about how you might scale up and learn from that. So, do you mind sharing you know with just kind of on the practical side like? what is just and what is it doing, mm-hmm. but in kind of phase one to prove viability, how you thought through that. And I think that might help someone that maybe is thinking about starting a nonprofit or a business, like the, the, the natural progression of getting started might look like. Uh, just in the simplest form is a nonprofit lender uh, that invests in low-income female entrepreneurs to create more resilient communities we know that money matters and it's not enough. So we've created a holistic program that reimagines global microcredit for the United States. And, and that means to us, we're not using credit scores or collateral or time in business as a metric for, um, for 
decision on whether or not to to give them access to opportunity. We're, we use a process, so we get to say yes 100% of the time as long as people continue to show up. Um, and you know, today we've lent over $3.5 million in Central Texas to 99% women. Uh, we've made over 2,400 loans in the last three years with the 99.9% repayment rate. So for us, the metric of success is not repayment rate. We see that at best as an incomplete proxy of impact. And at worst, it's a false positive. It's someone's life is not necessarily better off, but they've repaid us. That's, that's not success to us. So we, at the very beginning, we know clearly who we wanted to serve, which was low-income communities. Our team, our founders believe that there's something really special about entrepreneurs. And then it was my job to go figure out how to create a, an organization that could help them live better lives. And the, the probably the smartest thing we did was establish our higher purpose first. So we know really clearly, and the same thing today, is our job is to help people live with less stress and more joy. For me, poverty alleviation or ending poverty was, is too nebulous. It's too far removed from today. So we wanted something that was much more practical and, and actionable. So less stress, more joy is totally informed everything that we do. And through that, in 2016, when we started, I didn't know how to build a relationship with low-income entrepreneurs in, in Austin, except through credit. And I knew credit wasn't um, the end-all, be-all. Be all. I actually did not want to start a lending organization because I know how hard it is. So I went to Weight Watchers for a month to see how community came together to support one another for creating new habits. That inspired a lot of new thinking. Ultimately, we did the old way first, which is form groups of people, of women. We show up in person and every week forever. So I would hire you, Stephen. You get on a motorcycle and drive out to, to uh, rural Guatemala and there'd be 30 women waiting for you on Tuesday at 10 a.m. forever. That is very stressful for, for you getting on that motorcycle, for the women that have to meet and make sure that everybody's there with their money. We thought there was a more dynamic, uh, um, less stressful, more joyful way to do that. It was the community that told us what to do next. Like it was our own clients. So what we did first was a friend of mine, actually, Alex Papas. Um, he said, look, man, you start at the end and you work your way backwards and there's just these if-then statements. He's here in Austin, right? Yeah. He's, Do you he's work a at Tiv? Still does. He's a partner there. Yeah. Give a shout out to him. <laughs> right, he's so, a nice guy, yeah, man. I haven't nice. seen him in years. Yeah, he's a real wow. nice guy. That's awesome. Blast so, from the past. Cool. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a friend and has been, been helpful That's a lot so of That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So the if-then statement is what he really brought to, to my thinking and what's the very simplest, what's the most simple if-then statement I can start with? And it was, if we lend them money, then they'll pay us back. And through that, we learned, well, that's stressful. So we created a program. We learned in that lessons. And then it was uh, the big lesson 2017 was a new, totally new way of doing this work designed around the U.S. And that is uh, training, developing, supporting uh, entrepreneurial leaders. So these women we call JEDAs, Just Entrepreneur Trust Agents. We created an eight-week leadership training program. Another guy by the name of Trevor, Trevor, Trevor Bohm. Bame. Sorry, Trevor, if I got your last name wrong. Um, and so we built this eight-week leadership training program designed around two philosophies, create lifelong learners and confident facilitators. 
really for us, it was about creating a fun experience that got our clients who are borrowing money from us, investing in their businesses to, um, to, tr- to trust us and to trust each other because we have one rule. Any, any good micro lender has to have one rule, and that is we must be repaid. And for us, we saw it as a uh, every person that didn't repay us as a fundamental failure of our program. So if we're not helping people, if we're not helping our clients build stronger businesses, take control of their money, and creating more social capital, um, then there's a chance that they won't repay us. And that's a real, that's bad day for us. So that 2017, we didn't know that that was going to work. And then these clients, the if then statement for us was if we create these leaders, then they'll form their own groups. And they did. Uh, groups now, because uh, we think differently than traditional microcredit, that small groups are the answer. So instead of 30 people, we want three, three to 10. So those entrepreneurs can create really meaningful, supportive community at a micro level. So if they form those groups, then they will pay us back. We made an important modification to the loan. So it used to be six months. We said, we want to learn faster. So we shrunk that loan to three months and cut it in half. So our first loan's only $750, paid back in 13 weeks or three months. We want to make sure that that person is interested, willing, committed, and we don't want to waste their time underwriting them with all these old ways. So it's all based on trust. It's based on them being invited. And uh, we never checked their credit, never asked for collateral. So if they pay us back, then the loan increases. So that was that next if then statement and it worked. Um, That's when my problem started. Mm. My problem now is I have to have a ton of money. So we will grow and grow and grow and grow. And are you getting any interest on the the money that's paid back? Yeah. So we generally the rate. So the $750 loan Mm -hmm. costs the client $15. So they pay us back $765. Wow. Okay. So the margins are small. So go with this problem then. Are you, so what happens is people don't leave. Now you and I, you are pushing a credit card and everybody doesn't want to carry a balance on a credit card. It is all of these things that we think about in the United States as far as debt and bad. We are an organization that offers small business loans, does not push those. But we know that our clients don't see it as this anchor of debt. They see it as access to opportunity and they start planning differently. So this next six months later, they're saying, I'm going to add a second sewing machine to my business and I'm going to do these three things. So they start to plan differently, which means our clients don't leave. They return for the next loan and the next loan, um, which is really exciting because we see some radical shifts in their behaviors and their ability to save and what they're doing with their businesses and income after the fourth loan. So as you have hundred clients, it's $750, but as you have a thousand clients with $5,000 loans, mm-hmm. it's then your capital problem becomes a problem. 
Um, so we're doing some really creative things. Well, you on say housing. it's a problem, but I mean, it's a good problem to have in the sense of you're seeing opportunities to scale. You're seeing opportunities for, for more, the needs of more. Yeah, yeah, totally. So on your side, I mean, it sounds like you started with some initial, um, co-founders and the gentleman uh-huh. that you mentioned, you started with, uh, uh, was it Bill Wood and, yep. and Andy and, White and Andy White. So now as part of your side, kind of figuring out how do we put together a fund that we can, mm-hmm we can lend out yeah so a little plug for just vest on november 3rd sunday 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 springdale station, station. by the austin bouldering yeah. project yep so we're gonna launch uh our first um first event to uh, launch just sorry we are going to launch the 750 fund at just fest so our view of our clients is one of really powerful women with a tremendous amount of potential. We want to make sure people have an opportunity to invest in their potential. And that seven, go ahead. Keep going. The seven, yeah. The, so the 750 fund is all um, designed to rally around the first loan of our clients. The first loan is $750. Uh, that is a really important first step for all of us and we're raising donations because we have to ultimately build up our equity and um, that next loan grows and we'll continue to grow with our clients. So we're inviting uh, our friends, the general public to be a part of the, that first opportunity, that first loan. And what's, is there a minimum dollar amount from a donation perspective? No, I think we're, I mean, we're, we're, we don't do this. We haven't done this before. Yeah. So um, we're, or want anyone to participate. Uh, we have an uh, ambassador network that's mm-hmm. um, now started. So there, some of those ambassadors are raising their own loan. They're raising their own fund. And then will you, if you donate the money, will you get some sort of impact report as a donor of kind of the outcome of? The yeah, I think to us, data data is yeah. central. Um, but we use data to be more efficient and smarter. So it's something we... Uh, also are doing with our funders cool. and being really transparent in what their where their money goes. I'm going to be making a micro donation. That's right, bro. I don't know how, I don't know how much it'll be, but I want to be a part of that. So it's I right. look forward to contributing a little yeah, bit. And right I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want to be a part of this. Let's do this. Yeah. You're already going to be part of a charity charge. I know, but I I do think it's such a really neat model. And um, you know, I know that you know. So what I want to tell people: number one is um, if they do, I know you just talked about Just Fest, but if they want to find you, can you tell them the uh, URL to your site? Hello, just.com, H E L L O J U S T.com. And, um, you know, I think in a future episode, I really want to talk to you about, you know, some of the challenges that we see on the traditional, like consumer credit and not the amount of fraud and everything. Because I think some of the things that you've learned and seen about trust and how to responsibly lend the money, the, yeah traditional credit card side, you know, could learn a lot from that. So, so. next episode, Steven, I will interview you and we'll talk about all of those uh, <laughs> money problems. It. All right. Oh, it'll be crazy. But look, I really appreciate you coming in um, so much to talk about, you know, just your experience with microcredit. Um, it's just really unbelievable. And then your transition from such a huge organization, whole planet, whole planet foundation to what you're doing with Hello Just. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Uh, for our community. And, you know, obviously I know your ambitions are global and in scale. It's awesome. Thank you, Steve. All right, buddy. Thanks.